How many of you guys have a dog? Any of you guys have a dog? Yeah? Any of you guys have cats? Cats are worthless. Um, cats are dumb. Um, all right, so uh, how many of you have a dog again? Let me see. Uh, any of you guys that have a dog, any of your dogs like to like play fetch, retrieve? Yep. Okay. My dog, I have a dog. Uh, he's a German short hair pointer. Uh, I pulled up. I, I meant to get a picture. I, here, I'll let the front row see him. Look at There he is. There he is. All right, so his name is Cooper. Uh, but he loves to play fetch. He loves to retrieve. He's a hunting dog. And so uh, what I do with him is every day for like, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes every day, um, I make him um, like play fetch, but, but it's like part of his training. So I make him come and he sits next to me. He sits right here um, and he has like this bumper in his mouth. I actually brought it, left in my car, forgot it, whatever. Uh, but I make him uh, bring it to me and I make him put it in my hand and he sits there and he stays and then I take it and I swing it and throw it as far as I can. And what does he want to do? If you have a dog that retrieves, what, do you want, what does he want to do? He wants to take off and go get it, right? He wants to take off right away and go get it. But since he's a hunting dog, I have tried to train him uh, like, to only go when I tell him to go. All right? So like, I tell him to stay, stay there, don't move, don't go get it. But he still wants to go get it, right? This is, this is his job. He wants to get it. So when he sees that thing fall and I don't let him go, what is, what is he like? Wh- where's his attention? Where's his focus? On that thing, right? On the bumper, the thing that fell on the ground. And so all he wants to do is go, and all he wants to do is run, but I, I don't let him go yet. So I, have, I usually uh, have him make him wear a shock collar. So if he starts to go, then I just like shock the heck out of him, make him stop. I'm just kidding. I don't do it that bad, but I do shock him. Um, and uh, I used to have a stick that I like whipped him with. Not even kidding. I'm not even joking on that one. Um, but so here's, here's the deal. So I make him stay. He stays there. He doesn't move. He can't move. But he's so focused and captivated by the thing that just fell on the ground that he sometimes he like can't contain himself. So he'll like, he'll like, like get up and like do this kind of thing. Like can't, like doesn't want to, like can't sit still. Sometimes he'll sit and then he'll stand back up and he'll like poke me with his nose, right? He'll like whimper at me because he won't let me go, right? Like, like sometimes he just completely flat out ignores me and just takes off running. Like he, he's so captivated by this thing that he can't contain himself and he's still kind of a puppy. So he like, he, he just like doesn't know what to do with his body. So he like just like goes in circles sometimes. Uh, like this morning, I was taking his leash out, and he knows when I take the leash out, it means we're going on a run. He loves to run. And so I took his leash out, and he, like, wouldn't let me put it on. It was so frustrating because he was so excited that he, he was like, oh, my gosh, we're going on a run. We're going on a run. And I'm like, like run. I'm not even kidding you. Like, he was going in circles. Like, for five minutes, I tried to catch him to put his leash on him. But here's my point. He was so captivated by this thing. He's so captivated by this thing that fell, by, my, by wanting to go on a run that he couldn't contain himself. That's all he wanted to do. And tonight I want us, uh, you're going to hear me say that word captivated a lot tonight because I want us to talk about being captivated by Christ. I want us to talk, I want to talk to you about, man, what it means to, to be captivated by the gospel and how when we're captivated by the gospel that we shouldn't have a problem telling people about Jesus and bringing other people with us. I mean, we're all captivated by things, right? How many of you guys uh, watched Stranger Things? You guys liked it? Yeah? How many of you guys watched it within like a weekend? Anyone like faster than that? Really? Like how fast? Like a day? Anyone do it in a day? Oh, you guys did it in a day, huh? 24 hours? 
Anyone less than 24 hours? Well, I don't know how long the thing is. Well, that doesn't count. I'm talking vintage. So why do we do this? Because we have nothing else to do. But we do this because we're so captivated by the show, right? We feel like we're a part of the show, right? I mean, maybe it's not Stranger Things, but maybe it's other things. Maybe like people gave death threats when, like, when, when someone spoiled the, the uh, end of the Avengers movie, right? Like when someone spoiled the end of the movie, like people gave, right, because they're captivated by this movie. They feel like they're a part of it. And then when, when the series is over, when the season ends, how do you feel? You're sad, right? Like, you got to start another one, or right? Because you feel like a part of you is dead because you're so captivated. You feel like you're a part of this TV series. We know what this is like. To be captivated just means to, to hold our attention, right? It's like being in awe of something. We talk about this all the time. We can't help ourselves. And so tonight, I want us to see that, that what, man, when we really understand what the gospel is, we can be captivated by who Jesus is and what he's done. And when we are, we don't have a problem sharing. And then I'd argue that, that if we let fear get in the way, if we let fear get in the way of us sharing the gospel, I'd argue that, that we don't really see the gospel and see Jesus for who he really is. I'd argue that we don't really understand the gospel. That we may have heard it over and over again, but, but we don't really see the power and the weight and the responsibility that we have to share with other people. But I hope tonight, I hope that, my hope is that, that we can see, that our eyes can be opened and that can change tonight. Paul, last week, uh, if you were here, we, we finished with this verse. We're going to start with it tonight. It's in 1 Corinthians. Paul says this. He says, for just preaching the gospel isn't any special credit to me. Just preaching it isn't any credit to me because I couldn't keep from preaching it even if I wanted to. He said, I would be utterly what? Miserable. Woe unto me if I don't. He said, I would be miserable if I don't preach the gospel. He said, it's such good news that I can't help but tell people that it would literally hurt me if I held it inside. This is what it means to be captivated by the gospel. Paul was captivated by who Jesus is, and so he couldn't help but share. But Paul wasn't always like this, right? If you know the story of Paul, what was his name before, before it was Paul? What was it? Saul with an S, right? And Saul, in fact, was the opposite, right? Saul made a career of, of taking people who believed in Jesus, taking these Jesus followers, and his job was to take them and throw them in prison. He killed some of them. I mean, he's the complete opposite of what he became. Paul, but, but one day, his, his life changed forever, right? He's on his way to go do exactly what, what I just said, what, to take these people and throw them in prison. And in fact, he has a letter that says, by law, he can do that. He has a letter in hand saying, listen, you can go take these people and throw them in prison. And letter in hand, he walks and he's walking down the road and all of a sudden this light comes down and it's Jesus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting me? And it changes his life forever because he sees that Jesus is real, that he's alive. That this person who he's been hurting, the people who he's been hurting, that it's, it's not made up, but he's alive. 
And so Jesus gives him the instructions. We'll fast forward through the story, and, and he tells him, hey, go into the town. And, and Paul, it, Saul is blinded because of this light, because of seeing Jesus. And so he can't see, so he's led into the town, and, and, and this person comes to heal him. And when this person comes to heal him, it, it says that, that as he comes, the, something like, the Bible says something like scales fell off of his eyes. Scales like a, like a, like a lizard, or does a lizard have scales? Yeah, right? Or fish, right? Or a, a, a snake, is that what you said? I thought you said a, a snake kind of has scales, maybe, yeah? I thought you said skunk. I was like, no, not that one, right? Okay, but you know what I'm talking about? Scales fell from his eyes. I, I don't think literally, maybe not scales, but, but what it's saying is his eyes were opened. His eyes were opened. He saw the truth of the gospel and the power of what Jesus has done. And his eyes were open, and the Bible says that immediately. Now, does immediately mean like in, like in five minutes, ten minutes? When your parents say, hey, I need you to like take out the trash immediately. Maybe they don't talk like that, but if they said that, what, what does that mean? Does that mean like, that means now, right? Right now. And so the Bible says that immediately he ran and, and he went into the, the synagogues and, and, and he proclaimed the name of Jesus. He just had to tell people because his eyes were open. He couldn't hold it in. His life was changed forever. And I'm convinced that some of us, some of us, our eyes need to be opened to the gospel. Some of us, our eyes need to be opened to, to realize that it really is good news. Not just for this one point in time, not just for, for this one thing, but, but it's good news that should change our lives and the way we live each and every single day. Some of us have heard the stories over and over and over again. We come on Easter and we hear about what Jesus has done. And yet, we don't really believe that it's good news. Because we don't act on it. Because we, we're not captivated by it. We don't go and tell other people. So that's the question I want to ask you tonight. That's your first fill-in. And is it really good news? Is it really good news? Now, of course it is, right? The church, churchy answer, right? Of course it's good news. I mean, the gospel, gospel, like that word gospel, you've heard me say it a lot, that word gospel means good news. So obviously it's good news. But the question is, do you believe that it's good news? And not only do you believe that it's good news, but do you live like it's good news? Is it really good news. If, I'm convinced that if our response is any different than Paul, then we don't really believe it. Philippians says this, as citizens of heaven, I want you to circle that part, citizens of heaven, circle it on your outline, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, underline, circle that part, worthy of the gospel. Then he says, then whether I come and see you or I'm, in, or I'm absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. He says, this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. Here's what he's saying. Listen. You are citizens of heaven. You are citizens of a different place. Live like it. Live like your life is worthy of the gospel. Like you're captivated by this truth. 
He says, listen, I don't need to come see you. I, want, I desire to come see you, but I don't, I don't need to because I can, be, I can know what you believe by how you live it out. And he says, listen, you, but if you don't let the opponents attack you and, and put you down, if you're not afraid, if you don't let fear get in the way, then I know that you believe it. I don't have to come see it. When you don't care what gets in your way, and then I know that you believe it. Man, so, so are you living like you believe it? Let me ask you guys something. How many of you guys think that you can beat me in an arm wrestling, uh, I don't know, match? I think Joey definitely can. How many of you guys think you can beat me in an arm wrestling match? Anyone? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Yeah? You guys think you can beat me? Caleb, you think you can beat me? You really think you can beat me? Come on, Caleb. Show, show me then. Come on, show me. You think you could beat me? Come on. Now, hold on, hold on. Okay, you can come up here. We're, we're actually going to do this, Caleb. I'm not joking. But, uh, but Caleb's probably going to beat me because, I mean, he's got, like, massive arms. My arms are tiny. But hold on a second. What did he just do by standing up? You can stand there for a second. What did he just do by standing up? He proved that he believed it, right? If he would have sat there, and if I would have said, all right, Caleb, come show me. And he would have said, actually, okay, never mind. Does he, did he actually believe it? No. We're going to see if he actually can. Hold on, I need some water. I need to, like, get hydrated first. Huh? Yeah, he's fine. All right, let's go this way. Ready? His arms are, like, way long. Look at that. I got to, like, go like this because you're, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so I don't know the actual rules of arm wrestling, but are you supposed to, like, put your arm behind your back or, like, on the table? Anyone know? Hi, behind your back. All right, Caleb, behind your back. Here we go. Are you ready, Caleb? He's not ready. All right, count us down. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Go. Come on, Caleb. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Give it up for Caleb. Uh, anyone else think they can beat me? No? Come on, Matt. I was expecting you to be the first one to jump up. All right, Matt. Here we go. Huh? My arm's already tired, so I think he's going to get me on this one. All right, here we go. All right, ready? You ready? Count us down. Just FYI, no one's beat me yet, but I'm sure to like Jake and Matt and you guys did for sure kill me. All right. There was a point to that, I promise. Oh, my. My arm's tired. I'm, I broke a sweat. Oh, my arm's like jello now. Yeah, I'm tired. You think you can do it now? Later. All right. Here's, here's the point, though. Here's the point. Man, if, if, if you believe that you could actually beat me in arm wrestling, you just raise your hand. But then when I said, all right, come on up and show me then, and you sat there, 
Do you actually believe it? Last night, I did the same thing with junior high. And there was a student, there was a junior high student that sat there, and he was like, oh, yeah, I could beat you. And he raised his hand. And then I said, all right, come on, come show me. He didn't think I was going to challenge him on it. So I said, all right, come on. And he said, okay, never mind. And he sat in his chair. He didn't even get up. Does he believe that he could actually beat me? No, you're just being a punk and thinks he's cool, right? Guys, the point is, man, if you really believe that it's good news, and then you'll want to share, then you'll want to tell other people. Think about it like this. This is kind of ridiculous, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay? Think about it like this. Uh, uh, I go, anyone go to GB3 over here? I'm still like running out of breath, okay? Uh, I, GB3 over here, I go there, I don't know, often. And um, in, in the mornings when I go, I do everything that I can, everything I can to avoid going into the locker room, okay? Never want to go, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You, I avoid whatever I can, do whatever I can to avoid even thinking about going in the locker room, okay? And the reason is, is just because there's old guys who think that they can just own the place and walk around naked, okay? And, like, I'm not, I'm t- I'm not talking underwear, like, no towel. I'm talking, like, butt naked, like, no care in the world, no shame. Like, they're not carrying anything. They're just sitting there. But, like, they're not changing. They're just sitting there and walking around, okay? So I don't ever want to go into the locker room. I do everything I can to avoid it, okay? But a couple, a couple days ago, I was at the gym, okay? And I had to pee so bad, all right? No, listen, I had to pee so bad. I was like, there's no way I'm going to the locker room. There's no way I'm doing this. Like, I'm just going to push through it, right? Like, I'm going to hold it. So I'm like, I don't even remember what I was doing, running on a treadmill or something, right? But I'm like, I'm going to pee my pants. I can't do this, right? So I walk to the restrooms. Both of them are locked. Both, someone's in there. I can't, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I got to wait for a sec. I couldn't even wait. I had to pee so bad. So I walked into the, so I, I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put my head down, like, look at the floor, like, not even, so I walked in the locker room, right? Like, walked around the corner. Sure enough, there's a guy walking around. Butt naked, right? Like, no shame, no care in the world. Oh, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Don't ever go into the locker room. But, but here's the deal. Here's my point. And, and this is ridiculous. It, it, it like, kind of is a crazy uh, illustration. But, but here's my point. And sometimes when we believe in it enough, when you have to pee enough, apparently, man, then you don't care what you're walking into, Okay? I'm not talking about going into the men's locker room talking to some naked guys. Please don't do that. Okay? But, here's, but man, we, when I had to pee so bad, I didn't care. I didn't care that, that I never wanted to step foot in there. Man, if you really believe that the gospel is good news, then you'll take a step into the fear, past the fear, to bring others with you. All right? To bring other people with you. And so what do we do? First thing, write this down. Daily preach the good news to yourself. Daily preach the good news to yourself. Every day. Every day when you wake up, you go to school, right? Come home, do your homework, or go to sports practice, or whatever you do, you got your routine. And do you consider the gospel? Do you even think about what Jesus did for you? Do you ever just like wonder what it would have been like to be there? Do you ever think about the, the, the fact that Jesus is alive now? 
Do you let that inform the decisions that you make every day? Do, do you think about that? Do you consider that? Now, now, some of us are in here and we're thinking, okay, I heard you talking about the good news and the gospel, but I don't even know what that is. And, and some of us are thinking, well, how do I do that? And I don't even know where to start. And, and well, well, here's the deal. Let me tell you a story. The story, there's a story of a, a father and a son. And there's a father and, and the son, and, and, and they do everything together. They love each other. They, they care for each other. Man, they, do, they do all the father-son things that, right, that, that, that they do. They, they go fishing. They teach, he teaches them how to, how to fish and catch fish and, and, and clean the fish and eat it. And, and he teaches them how to play catch. And, and, and he teaches them all these things. And, and, and they play sports together. And, and he picks them up from school every day. And they ask them, how was your day? And they have good conversation. And they pray together at the end of the day. And, and their relationship is good. They trust each other. They love each other. The father gives him everything that he needs. Right? Teaches him how to ride a bike. You get this picture? Father and son. Well, one day the son, one day the son sees something that he really wants. He sees something that, that, that uh, man, I think that thing would fulfill me. I think that thing would, would feel really good. And so I really want that thing. And he's so captivated by this thing that, that he can't help, but he's got to get it. And so he goes to his father who he trusts, who he loves, and, and who loves him. And he knows that his father gives him everything that he needs. And, and so he goes to his father and he says, listen, uh, man, I really want this thing. Can you get this thing for me? And the father, the father knows what's best for his son. The father sees the thing and he looks at his son and, and he looks at this and, and he says, listen, I know what's best for you. This isn't what's best for you. You can't have that. And he does, what, he does everything he can to explain to his son, son, listen, I love you and I care about you. That's why I can't let you have this. And he says, son, listen, trust, trust in me. Don't trust in that thing. So the father walks away. And the son, he's so captivated by this thing, he just has to have it. He can't help himself. And so in the middle of the night, it's dark, it's quiet, everybody's asleep. He sneaks out of his bedroom, and he walks into the kitchen, and there on the counter is his father's wallet. And he opens the wallet and, and, and he sees a $20 bill. And he sees it and, and he thinks, this will get me that thing that I want. This will get me there. So he takes the 20, puts the wallet back down. And in that one moment, that one decision, not even knowing it, he betrays the trust of his father. The relationship that was so good, that was, that, 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 that was built over years and years. He betrays everything with one choice. And so he goes and he gets his thing that, that he wants and, and that he thinks is going to fulfill him. But, but it turns out once he gets the thing and once he has it, that it's not as fulfilling as he thought it would be. He still has hope. And so, so he, he, he thinks, oh man, I just, I just need more. I need to get it again. I need more. And so again, 
middle of the night. He gets up. It's dark. It's quiet. Everyone's asleep. He goes out. He looks in his father's wallet, and there's more money. And he takes it out. And pretty soon, the, the $20 turns into $50, and, and the $50 turns into 100 and then 100 turns into hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And he's doing this over and over and over again for months and months, and lying about it, and telling his father, no, that's not, I didn't do it. And he's lying, and he's breaking this relationship. Because he wants this thing. When the father finally decides to confront him about this way that he's betrayed their trust, he sits him down, and he sits across from him, And he looks at him with tears in his eyes and he says, Son, have you been stealing from me? The son puts his head down. And he's ashamed of what he'd done. He knows what's coming. He knows what he deserves. He says, Yes. I've been taking from you. And the father, with tears in his eyes, he's flooded with memories of, of, of when he taught him how to ride a bike and, and how he taught him to, to cast a fishing pole. All of that broken for this thing that he wants. And so the father, he's heartbroken. The father knows, knows what comes next. He knows what any other parent would do, what any other father would do punish his son. And the son knows that, 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 that what's coming is the punishment. And so think olden days, the father picks up his belt. The son knows what's coming. But the father looks up at his son with tears rolling down his cheeks and he says, son, I love you. You broke my heart. You broke my trust. You betrayed me. You went against me. But he says, son, I love you more than anything. And I care about you and this relationship so much that I'm going to take this punishment for you. And he hands him the belt. And he says, son, I want you to give me the punishment that you deserve. So he takes the punishment that his son deserves. Now some of us are sitting here and we're thinking, well, well, that's not fair. He deserves the punishment. And you're right. You guys recognize that this is what Jesus has done for you. This is the good news. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were running from Him, He willingly went to the cross. That He took beating after beating. That He was whipped with a whip that when it went into His back and was pulled out, the flesh and the skin were ripped out with it. Crown of thorns shoved onto His head and so blood was, was coming down, running down His face. And he's broken and he's beaten and he's spit on and he's mocked. And then they tied him to the crossbeam of the cross. And they made him walk up the hill. 
You know, they tied him to the cross. They tied him to the cross beam because if he was to trip, and this wasn't an easy walk, but if he was to trip, he doesn't have anything to catch him. He'd fall flat on his face. It's humiliating. It's painful. And so he walks up, and when they get to the top, they lay him down, and they put nails in his wrists because that's the only place that would hold him up. And so they prop him up on the cross, and he's hanging on the cross. And it's not the beating. It's not the, the, the open wounds in his back. It's not the crown of thorns. It's not the nails in his, in his arms that kill him. It's the fact that he's hanging, and he can't breathe. He dies gasping for air. And yet with part of his last breath, He says, he looks at the people who put, them up, put him up there. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's the kind of love that Jesus loves you with. That he would willingly walk through that for you. And the good news isn't even here yet. The good news comes three days later that Jesus dies and he goes to the grave, but he does not stay there. That three days later, he rises from the dead. And so Jesus doesn't just take on our punishment, but he proves that it can't stop him. He defeats our punishment, defeating anything that could ever stop him. Defeating death, proving that nothing can separate him, can separate us from his love. That's the good news. The good news is that because of what Jesus has done, you can have life. You can live with him. Do you believe this? Do you act like you believe it? Do you live like you believe it? Now I know that feels, that feels heavy and that feels weighty, but this is the responsibility that we have. That we would go and tell people, this is what Jesus did for you. He loves you so much that he would walk through this. And not just walk through it, but defeat it for you. Do you live like you believe that? Do you act like you believe that? Are you captivated by this good news? Every day you wake up, every decision that you make, this is what should be on your mind. What Jesus did for you. How different would you live if you walked around seeing people and said, and looked at someone who, who has maybe hurt you. Looked at someone who you saw every single day and said, Jesus died for that person. How different would you live? And so every single day, we preach the gospel to ourselves. And we live like we believe it. Daily. Preach the gospel to ourselves, And like Paul, we won't be able to hold it in. We have to tell someone. We have to bring people with us. The second thing is this, walk in surrender. As, as we daily preach this to ourselves, as we daily remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross, as we daily picture him up on that cross saying, I love you, I did this for you, and I'm defeating this for you. As we daily remember this, then we go. And we walk in surrender. 
You know, Jesus, before he was crucified, he knew what was coming and he sat in the garden on his hands and knees and he prayed to his father and he said, Father, take this cup from me. Take this from me. I don't, this is painful. This is hard. I'm, I'm afraid. But he said, not my will be done, but yours. That's what it looks like to surrender. The fear isn't gone it's still scary to walk to people and tell them about Jesus. But to walk in surrender is to say, not my will be done. Not, not, not my image be shown, but yours. To focus on man thinking about, do we really believe that it's good news? He calls us to walk in surrender as he did. And so, so let me ask you again, do you, is it really, do you really believe that it's good news? Is it really good news? Is it? And if you answer that question, yes, and then live like it. Get up and do something about it. You should be captivated by this thing that Jesus has done for you. Not just in one moment, but every single day. Live like it. Live like you believe it. How different would our life look if we chose to live as if we really believed that it was good news? How different would you live? Don't just say you believe it and act on it. Show it. Show other people that you trust and that you believe that it's really good news. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the good news of what you've done for us. Jesus, I, I thank you for, for, for what you've done for us on the cross, that, that you defeated death, that nothing can hold us down because nothing can hold you down. Jesus, I pray that as we walk, we, we, we would believe that. As we walk into our campuses on school, as we, as, as we walk into the grocery store, wherever we go, God, would we believe that it's good news. And we, would we live like we believe it? Jesus, would you give us the boldness to share, captivate our hearts so that we can't help but tell other people, so that we can't help but bring other people with us. Jesus, I pray that, that if we haven't made the choice to follow you, that you'd captivate our hearts and that we'd do that. That we would choose to walk in surrender because you chose to surrender. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you in all these things. Amen. All right, guys, you guys are good to go. Hey, man, go knowing Jesus loves you and we love you, care about you. If you got questions, let me know. Love to talk to you guys. I'll see you guys later.